All right, whenever you're ready, give it a whirl. This is Eric Recker from Win the Now at ericrecker.com, and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, reminding you to win the now. Perfect. See, you nailed it. Awesome. <laughs> All right, let me hit stop. I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Chris M. King, thank you so much for being on Vroom 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 Veer, and welcome to the show. Let me see if I can talk today. How's it going? <laughs> Fantastic, thanks. How are you? I am well. So you are at statusflow.net. So talk a little bit about what you're most excited about over there at your business today. You know, what we're most excited about right now is that we have opened up a whole suite of service lines to address different um different clients that are working with different flavors of the seemingly impossible. Okay. And so that's that's what I think we're we're most excited about right now. I like that you add in there the seemingly. That's that's a good. It's a good thing. Well, that's right. <laughs> things, things are only impossible until they aren't. Exactly. Yes. You know, I, oh, did you see the movie um not the Barbie one but the other one, Oppenheimer? Oh yeah. That was great, right? That was intense. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. It was awesome. I mean, a little bit more politics than I could have, you know, I could have done away with a lot of the Robert Downey Jr. stuff. Just not really right. all that interested in that crap. But, like, I like the physics stuff, right? So, like, one of the, the engineers run in and say, they, they, they just did this in Germany. And Oppenheimer says, that's impossible. And right. Then, and then one of the engineers says, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ford did that too, right? He was like, go make me a small block V8. For like three years, the engineers were like, can't be done, can't be done, can't be done. He's like, I'm not trying to hear that. Go figure it out. Three right. years later, they figured it out. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. When people say impossible, they mean, I don't want to do it. Well, what they I don't mean know is they how. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, right. look, look at the Bannister principle, right? Like never all throughout, all explain, throughout history. explain Bannister principle. Here it comes. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So all, all throughout history, you know, no, no human being had ever run a mile in under four minutes. And through oh, the 1900s, right. this became some kind of like obsession that the world had to watch this happen. And the doctors and physicians, the, the scientists all said, if somebody actually does this, it will kill them. It's not possible. Wow. Well, May of 1954, Roger Bannister pulled it off. He ran a mile in under four minutes. Mm. And after decades and he of didn't chasing drop this record, right? he didn't drop dead. <laughs> and not only did he survive, but his record lasted 46 days. Oh, wow. Okay. Because yes. once he crossed that finish line, the okay. world realized it became possible, and then people started doing it. So it's not, mm. you know, people say seeing is believing. The reality is believing is seeing. I think you're right. That's an, that's I a really right. great story. You are totally right. I'm not thinking anymore. I'm just knowing you're right. <laughs> once once yes. you believe something yeah. to be a certain way, you will consciously or otherwise seek to prove it. Right? We seek to prove the reality of our understanding. That's just what humans do. Yeah. 
Like, are you an American Ninja Warrior fan? I've seen it. I haven't watched it in quite some time, but yeah. It's a really good show. Like, mm-hmm. if you ever, you know, have time and you're bored. <laughs> That's never going to happen. But I don't know. You know, fulfilling my potential really is going to cut into my sitting around time. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But, like, another example was, like, there was this four-foot-nothing gymnast who was the first woman ever to scale that warp wall. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as she did it, everybody, all the women were doing it, right? Right. It's the same right. idea, you know? That can't yeah, be done, right? Right. It can't sure be can. done until somebody does it. <laughs> exactly. and I mean, look, yes. I live in a town where people pay $30 for avocado toast. If you can make that happen, you can do anything. <laughs> $30 for avocado it's Ridiculous. Toast. People do it. Look, in the 70s, wow. some guy made a pet rock and sold millions, right? I mean. It's a really good idea. Yes. Right? Whatever. Somebody, <laughs> somebody listening to your show right now and has a yes. really seemingly dumb idea. Yeah. It is not nearly as dumb as they think it is. It, I, I'm one more. And so this is Room Room Beer. That means we have to go back in time and talk about your wonderful childhood. That, And I'm being like, um, what's the word? Um, facetious? It was great. <laughs> it was great. Until, it was great until it wasn't. But so don't let me forget. We got to go back in time. One more thing. Now I've totally, because I, I, I'm going to just have to wait. But there's another example that I was thinking of that I've totally brain farted right now. So let's blow that off and go back in time and talk about Chris and your childhood. Okay. So uh, you grew up well. in a wonderful neighborhood. And I did. I grew up hell. in a, a very privileged neighborhood in a very scary house. Um, wow. My, my eldest sister died when she was 11, uh, 11 years old. Oh, my uh, She was a Down's child. She, she got leukemia, so she, she died of cancer. And, um, Yikes. And so I was raised, I was very young at the time. I was 13 months old. And so I was raised uh, in a house that really had grief and rage and abuse and addiction and because these were the the coping mechanisms wow. of my father who's a brilliant man and made a lot of money um but just th- this is not something that you recover from that you know there are only right. the, we have in, in humans have what we call emotional set points uh and they're usually set by about the time you're six years old this is as happy as you can get and this is as sad as you can get there are only two things that are really going to be able to move those em- emotional set points one is long-term unemployment. The other is death of a child. And wow. so, so my other sister and I were raised through that. And, um, and that, you know, set the stage for, for really the rest of my life. Right. It sort of like programmed you in that soup, right? That emotional yeah. soup. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if you <clears throat> asked me, you know, when I was 14, how was my childhood? I'd be like, oh, it was great. It was fine. Because I didn't even know. I had no frame of reference right. for what this, this is, was. This, yeah, what your experience was the same as everybody else, as far as you knew, right? Right. For right. My, it was just normal, you know? Right. This, These are the th- kinds of things that happen in life. And so when t- somebody was like, uh, that's not normal, I was like, really? <laughs> really? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. Sure. Scary. So, Okay. So you grow up in less than I- ideal conditions, and then you go out in the world and you've got this, I'm going to go ahead and use a word like maladapted, maybe, <laughs> set well, of tools I mean, to deal with reality. I don't know. What, what would you call it? I, I mean, there, there are any number of ways to look <clears throat> at this through a clinical lens, right? You could, you could look at my relationship modeling and say I have insecure attachment styles, right? It's, uh, <laughs> right. An avoidant dismissive tends to be my flavor. Um, okay. 
<laughs> so it, you know, I, I mean, it obviously affects my relationships. It, it, it affects everything in my world. Um, but ultimately this was the thing that, um, that I was able to alchemize. This is the reason that my company exists today. This is a big part of it, you know? Mm, okay. Um, and, and so when, when I say you can, you can make anything work for you. That's true. As long as you can get out of the mental construct of how much it sucks or you don't like it, right? Right, right, right. It's a question of what can you do with it. It's like, yeah, it sucks. I get it, but what can you do? These are my cards. How can I win with this hand? Right, right. right. I I could say that my you know like my childhood was not my fault, quote unquote. Right. But as an adult, it is all one hundred percent my responsibility to deal with it. Right. To move on. Right. Right. Am I going to be identified by this and victimized by it? Or am I going to alchemize this and do something with myself? Right. right. So let's walk through like, uh, like what the sorts of things that you did after you left home as a kid. So. Right. Uh, well, let's see. I, I got there's married. There's a lot of stuff and it's great. Right. There's, a lot, there's, a, few <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. I'm looking at it all and it's all really good, but let's just get the highlights. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. The, the highlights are I, I got married and my first wife had bipolar disorder in my mid twenties. Uh, my first wife had bipolar disorder. So did you that know was that a, going in or I did, but here's the thing about bipolar disorder, particularly in women is it sort of lays dormant. I mean, unless you have early onset bipolar disorder, it sort of lays dormant until mm. mid to late 20s. And then it right. really kind of surges. Gets ragey, yes. Yeah, and that's what happened. And so I ended up um, in a in an emotionally and physically abusive relationship, which is kind of a weird thing to say as a man. Like, uh, you know, I was an abused husband. It's like, right. it's really weird. It's kind of a surreal sort it's of thing. It's that psychological um, abuse, or was it a physical abuse? I don't know. Both. I'm both. Yeah, wow. it was both. My goodness. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Uh, so... That ended, I had, you know, kind of a rebound marriage. I, I met and married my second wife by about the time I was, I was in my early thirties. Um, that, and I wasn't healed from my childhood and I wasn't healed from my, from my first marriage. So I have damage on damage kind of thing. And right. so somewhere around the age of 36, I decided, you know, maybe I should stop marrying everybody and get my shit together. So. <laughs> <laughs> and getting, stop chasing girls and maybe figure some shit out. Right. <clears throat> so what did getting your shit together look like for you? Well, uh, it started with, uh, you know, the first thing I mentioned was, was really accepting responsibility for my entire life. That's and, huge. Um, That's huge. Not a it, lot of people it, do everything. that. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't do anything if you are not willing to accept responsibility for it. Think of responsibility as a hyphenated word, mm. right? Yep. Response hyphen ability, your ability right. to respond. Now. And, and responsibility does not mean fault. It means ownership. Correct. When I take right. ownership of something, now I have empowered myself to affect it. Mm. If I'm not willing to do that, then, I, then I'm not going to be able to do it. And I'm not going to be able to change anything. Right. It's like um, you can be responsible for something and not deserve punishment for it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, right. You, and you it can be... It's kind of like fault and blame get like these rolled in sort of like... And because of that, you are a, therefore a piece of shit forever. <laughs> kind of right, right. in parentheses, right? <laughs> right. Well, and that's not involves true. Blame, right? right. Blame, blame involves victim consciousness. Nothing right. comes. Nothing comes from victim consciousness other than complete disempowerment. Sure. So did that come from like a spiritual place, or where did when you decided to take responsibility? Just walk us through like how did that. What were, what were the steps that, to the aha of going, oh, I need to own this stuff? How did you get there? 
You know, it the the first thing it was I had this aha moment. I was leaving the house one day for work and this was after my second wife had left and I was devastated and all this kind of stuff and I was really it took me about 3 weeks before I felt like I could breathe again and it was it was a bad time. Lots of fucks and looking for your pants at the end. It, yeah, it was it was bad, you know. And um and I remember leaving the house one day. I opened the door in this um you know where I live here in LA, we get the Santa and they get the Santa Ana winds, right? And this warm wind uh-huh. blew through the house and it sort of blew the fog off my head. It was really strange. I mean, in was this it that moment, really warm. Air? Yeah, <laughs> it, it was this warm air and yeah. something about it uh it 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 everything physically looked different. Like the color came back. The sky was intensely blue. The the grass was intensely wow. green like and I was like, "Whoa." And and I marched myself down. I was working in the neuroscience institute of the hospital for, for at that point. And I walked into their EAP program. The HR was like, okay, I need to talk to a therapist. And they gave me, uh, so wow. they gave me a therapist number. I went in, I did, um, That's and awesome. I only, I went to see the therapist for about three months and he said something really cool. Um, he said, you know, I, I don't think I can really help you. And I said, okay. He said, look, you have figured this out. Because the first day I told him, look, I'm a total narcissist. I, I'm steeped in victim consciousness. Everybody, Everything is everybody else's fault. I, every, I'm the only thoughts, feelings, opinions that matter. He's like, okay, we can work with that. And so, um, but what I had, he said, you've had what sounds like what we call a core flip. And you usually take something pretty traumatic, you know, in this case, you know, my, my second wife leaving me. He says, you've kind of woken up. He says, now just, you got this, go and do. And the process to answer your question, was to finally let myself off the hook. Right, right, right. Step one was stop telling yourself, no matter what you've done, no matter how shitty you've been, no matter, Mm. you know, whether you've cheated or lied or stolen or whatever, like, let yourself off the hook and get curious about, well, this is interesting. Like, I wonder when I started thinking this way. I wonder when I started doing that. And where did that start? Like, when when you release the judgment of yourself, Right. And you can get connected and have compassion and and get connected to yourself. You can start understand the pathology to this. Mm. And then you can start kind of hacking and recoding your system. That's amazing. I so had that's like, how the process starts. Mine was less dramatic, but like I kept hearing this in personal development circles. Like you you are 100% responsible for all mm-hmm. of your experiences on earth right mm-hmm. from spiritual people from atheists right like everybody mm-hmm. like was the same mantra and it took me a long time to figure out that that was true mm-hmm. um and the same thing it was like oh but that doesn't you have to put a little thing on there that doesn't mean you're a horrible piece of shit and you're going to hell right mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, (laughs) right, right. It's two different things. It's like, it's pretty much everybody has Mm -hmm. gone through some version of a shitty upbringing, right? Some are definitely more extreme than others, but nobody gets out of childhood clean, right? Right. (laughs) Zero people. See, I don't say that. I I, I never (laughs) tell people I had a dysfunctional childhood because the implication there is that there's some other kind, you know? I mean, (laughs) that's true. That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I could go through like my, <clears throat> I had like a really weird relationship with my big brother. Mm. Right. And I, I don't think I ever experienced anger with anyone other than him. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. But like, so like, I remember just, just literally wanting to grab a bucket and just 
bash his brains in. That kind what of was rage. it about him that what was it about him in particular that lit you off? That let me off or set that me lit, off? That lit, lit you up, up. That got you so heated. Yeah. Um, well, he was just constantly picking on me. And I think it was just sort of like that, I don't know, mammalian revenge. When, mm. Once I got big enough to think I could fight back, flight went away. And I was just like, okay, let's go. <laughs> I... So, you know, for while I'm three years younger than him, he was always bigger than me. Right. So mm -hmm. I think... It was just that was like the difference. It was like, well, if I had a weapon, <laughs> maybe right. I could do some damage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to wait until he falls asleep. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we have since gotten over it, you know, I, we oh, hugged good. it okay. out. Yes. Yeah. Nice. But like, you know, most of the stuff from my childhood, I think I've gotten over, but you know, you know, I don't think you're, I'm still working on shit. <laughs> we all are. Uh, yeah, we know? all are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're, you know, on that track anyway, and you're seeking to to do something with your life or make changes, I mean, it's right. You know, right. Right. I, I don't even call it healing anymore. You know, on the west side of LA, we hear a lot of these, you know, west side hippies talking about I'm healing my issues. I'm like, you know, right. At my age, I'm not so interested in healing them. I just need to become aware of them so I can navigate them. You have to learn to deal with it. Right. Just yeah. deal with it. This is what I've got. This is my uh, repertoire, <laughs> repertoire mm -hmm. <laughs> <Right>? of stuff. <laughs> right. Like I mentioned, you know, insecure attachment style, right? It's like, that's not going to, that's probably not going to change in me. So I don't need to fix it. I, I, I need to navigate it. You need to, yeah. You need to learn to live with it and make, right. it, make it your friend. Exactly. Again, back to what I said earlier. How can I make this work for me? How can I alchemize this? Right, right. That's a good, yeah. I like that attitude. It's like, it's and you're not judging yourself anymore. No, no, no. I, I would, as you mentioned, the Santa Ana winds. I lived in the South Bay area for a while. Mm -hmm. yeah. I went on one of these uh, bike rides that I found on meetup.com with a bunch mm -hmm. of strangers. It was awesome, right? First time in my life I was out and it was probably like 10, 11 o'clock at night. We're going back to our cars and this blast of hot air. <laughs> Just hits all of us all at once. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and they're like, wow, that was Santa Ana winds blowing in, you know? Right. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And it didn't affect me like it affected you. Yeah, that was a weird moment. I mean, I don't know if it was the wind or the moment. I don't know what happened, but something, something in my brain switched and everything changed. I think the switch had probably already flipped. You just felt it. <laughs> it was I, yeah, probably the no, trauma. I really woke right? up. Like the doctor and, said. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's when, you know, everything started changing for me. That's when I really, um, you know, that's when I really started to change my life. I mean, right. I, you know, I said, well, I can, I can pretty much do anything. I was, I was really high on this idea. Even, even when the marriage came apart, there was this, there I am standing in the wreckage of my entire life that I had just really destroyed, you know, quite impressively. Um, there was this spark of hope and freedom. It was like, right. okay, I'm, I, I, I now there are no rules. Like I'm, I'm wide open now. I'm not locked mm. into anything anymore. Mm. And it was from that spark that, that I just set my life ablaze. The only limits are the laws of physics. <laughs> Even then I, I, we can, we can do things with that. <laughs> you can actually, there's, there's right? a lot of, like I said, that, that thing from Oppenheimer, you know, there, there's uh -huh. only like really one thing that they've learned 
they haven't learned anything new since that movie. Like <laughs> how to how to take a neutron and zap it at that other thing, you know. That's right. what they learned, right? Nothing mm-hmm. else. There has been nothing new. Well, I guess you could count quantum mechanics as new, but <laughs> right. Well, nothing that they're going to tell us anyway. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so let's I mean everything is energy, everything. And True. once you start understanding something about how energy works and subatomic physics and again quantum mechanics as you mentioned, right? You know, you start understanding this, you can start bending reality. Like, you know, we had a client actually she, she said to me that she sent me a text. She said, we doubled her revenues, we eliminated her stress, and we saved her marriage. That took four months. Wow. Four months. Wow. And that, you like, know, she'd still be in therapy if she was doing therapy. You, you can spend years in therapy, and, right. and, and therapy has its place. You know, my, sure. my, my ex-fiance and best friend today is a therapist, and... Um, she, you know, she and she works with a really uh, difficult population. She works with people with borderline disorders, and and you know, she That's says hard. therapy. It's hard, right? She says, you know, the the stuff that we do, while similar in some ways, it's way faster, right? Well, you're not dealing with a bunch of sort of like um, brain sort of chemistry kind of disorders. You know, there's a lot. No, of, no, we're not dealing right. with that. You're kind not of dealing thing. with and, that. And honestly, I'm not even really dealing with people's past very much. I mean, I, it sounds terribly insensitive, Jeff, but you know, I say, look, I don't actually care why you are the way you are. I, yeah. if, I mean, look, I, I right. I at the risk of sounding I don't need insensitive, to know that story, right? <laughs> right. At, at the risk of sounding insensitive. I don't fucking care right. because I'm going to deal with it the same way. You are the way you are, and that's what I'm going to navigate. And mm. so if you really need to know why you are, sure, I'll go dig around in your childhood if you really not want to know why. But we can do this a lot faster if we don't have to go there. Right. <clears throat> you can do that on your own time, too. You don't need right. to. <laughs> <laughs> go my, talk to your therapist about it while your, we're doing this over here. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let me know what you find out. I'll say that's interesting, and then I'll just keep moving on, right? So let me let's walk through some of these uh, the fun stuff in your in your backstory. So jobless, penniless, homeless, and you built a, yeah. a business out of your trunk. So yeah, let's get into that. So what mm-hmm. what's it like to be homeless? Where do you poop? <laughs> Uh, at, at your friend's house. Okay, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Right. I, I, I was it. very fortunate that I had friends that would, uh, you know, let me crash on the couch and, and okay. things like that. You know, they would feed me, but there, there were days that I didn't eat, you know, because I just didn't have the money. And so I would right. ration food. I had like a Starbucks muffin or something. And that's all I was going to have for a couple of days. Wow. Um, but it was it, when you, when you have, when I have that level of heat, behind me. It's, it's pretty tough for me to fail. You know, like if I, it, it, some people have different, like humans have different tolerances, right? A human mm. system has tolerances and your system and my system are different. They're going to have different tolerances. So for somebody <clears throat> else, that would have been too much stress, right? The idea right. of not having a home to go to tonight would have been way too stressful right. and they wouldn't be able to function. They wouldn't be able to build a business. For me, if I had some cushy job and was trying to build this on the side, I wouldn't have enough heat. I wouldn't have enough stress mm. to make it happen. And so yeah. it's a question of how does my human system best operate? What are its tolerances? And how can I uh, leverage that to get what I want? And it's often not fun or comfortable, no. but it's effective. Yeah, it gets you off the spot. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's I, no way I could have done this if I had some job that was paying my bills. Right. I wouldn't have done it. So how did you end up in, in, in the car building a business out of your trunk? Did, did you lose a job? 
Yeah, I got fired again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't work for humans, man. Like, <laughs> I should not be. I just know. See, I'm, I think I, I think your tolerances are are opposite of my tolerances. So, like we were talking earlier about like working with um, the special forces people. Yeah, yeah really yeah. super awesome people, right? Mm-hmm. I love them to death. Super funny, just mm-hmm. entertaining to no end. Right? right, and I think that be like a lot of these guys that I worked with were actual combat vets. Yeah. So when they're not in combat, everything's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. So you can't get them off of their happy spot when they're not getting shot at. So, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. They have a different bar. Right. They just have a but, different but bar. Like it. Like there was this uh, broken chair on the first day of my deployment, right behind my desk. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how like shitty office furniture has like two pieces, like a circle yeah. chair, chair spot, and then where the wheels are? Mm-hmm. Well, those were in like two separate pieces. <laughs> and it was literally like sheared, you know? So they're not going back together. So this is chair right. is garbage that mm-hmm. it, now, right? And weeks went by, and I just like look at the chair going, I guess I'll deal with that at some point. <laughs> 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 right? And then out of the blue... One of the colonels, one of the many lieutenant colonels in the army who was like famous, like army famous special forces guy. I think Mm -hmm. he was one of those horse soldiers when they first went into um, Afghanistan. Oh, wow. I forgot his name. I think his last name was Mitchell. But anyway, Lieutenant Colonel Mitchell, the the special forces killer, gets up Mm -hmm. in my face and goes, what the? (laughs) Just chews my ass for like a while. You know, and this uh-huh. is typical in the army and the, it doesn't happen all that often in the Air Force. And mm. and then and he ends with like, and why that why the fuck is that chair still there? <laughs> 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 so thank you for giving me an out. <laughs> right. I don't know where this chair is going, but at least I get to leave. That's awesome. As soon as I get back, right, he's back to his ordinary self again, you know. Right. Yeah. And I didn't even ask anybody where to put it. I just went and found the nearest dumpster. (laughs) Just make it gone. It's the war. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) The other special forces story that I had was, uh, like I said, I, I was stationed in England and then sent to Qatar. Wow. So I knew how to do a roundabout. From England, mm-hmm. right? You yield mm-hmm. to, I can't remember. Yield to the right if you're in England. It mm-hmm. would be yield to the left if you're in the States. Mm-hmm. So I do that. I come up to the roundabout. Somebody's coming the other direction, and I just start yielding. Right. <laughs> and everybody in the, I think it was a some sort of big <clears throat> SUV, and everybody's in there with me. We're going to the airport to pick somebody up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what are you doing? Go, 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 go. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so apparently when it doesn't matter where you are or if there are bombs, if you're with special forces people, you drive like a fucking maniac. Just keep like moving. You're, yep. you're in charge. Right. Well, you know, those people that you're yielding to might want to crash into you with a bomb. Theoretically, right. My brain doesn't go there. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, different framework. I'm a I'm a desk jockey. I don't usually think about people trying to kill me with bombs. Right. <laughs> right. Most of us don't live in that reality. There you go. 
So, okay. So you get out of the trunk. So how do you build this business? This business that you built out of your trunk is mm-hmm. that statusflow.net? That, that is the company that exists today. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> so we got coaches that work for me and playing and, you know, coaching and, and consulting in all different sandboxes. All wow. of us are... Um, are, are built to make the seemingly impossible a reality. And that shows up for different ways for different companies and different individuals. You know, for, right. for an organization, it's something like, you know, Ford v. Ferrari or something where it's like, how do we, how do, we do this? We've never done it before. We have no fucking idea how. It's like, yep, right. that's a great call for us. But <laughs> for, for individuals, um, you know, the I- impossible could be, you know, how do I get out of my soul-sucking job and do the thing that I've always wanted to do? Or how do I, it might be, how do I double my business? It might be, how do I save my marriage? Or how do I end my marriage, right? I mean, um, it it might be, you know, we have... We, we have one of our coaches, uh, Avi, who works with what we call the failure to launch kids. And, you know, the 20-somethings that are still on the parents' payroll and have no idea what they're going to do with themselves. And it's like, how do I get mm. my kid off the couch? It seems impossible, you know? Right, right. And so There's wh- a lot whatever of people that, going through that. I yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's actually, you know what, Jeff? It's one of my, it's like my busiest service line right now. Is it's Really? Yeah, the, the busiest, the ones that we get the most phone calls for is I got a 24-year-old that's not really pulling it in college or maybe out of college or doesn't know what to do. He's got a shitty job or he works He or she stuff. may or right. may not have a job. Mm. Circle of friends isn't great or whatever. <clears throat> and um, Basically just playing video games all day. Yeah, you know, whatever. and, and right. they just don't know what to do with themselves or how right. to do it. And so so we got that. But my clients, my clients are, um, you know, that that's obvious client, uh, you know, his client, one of his client populations. My client population are professional women that are overwhelmed, burned out, and kind of irritated with their spouse. That's my client. <laughs> <laughs> Pure and simple. Her, her business and her life is running her instead of the other way around. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, and then we flipped the switch. You know, one, one of my teachers said, um, his name is Dr. Robert Holden, said, if, um, if there's something missing from your life, it's probably you. I and like I that. thought that was pretty profound. And that's, that's exactly what a lot of these women are reporting, that they get leftovers of their own life. I'm like, yeah, that's not good. Let's fix that. Yeah. Well, and <clears throat> I think uh, everybody gets into that. Like you spend so much time like figuring out what other people want and you don't mm-hmm. know what you want, maybe. Well, their, their orientation is elsewhere. Like as, as a man of my generation, I'm pretty high on my priority list. I'm top three most of the time, right? Sure. A woman of that, you know, 38 to 54, she is dead last on her priority list. Everything else comes first. The job, the husband, yes. the kids, the house, her mom, right. the car. Blah, blah. Right. Like, right, right, right. She's getting leftovers of her own life. And she's like, this sucks. Yeah, like, yeah it does. Yeah. Let's fix right. that. Yeah, don't and do that. <laughs> it's shockingly simple. It's not easy, mind you, but it's so it's simple. simple. It, the, the answers are simple, right? Yes. You have to prioritize yourself. Take some shit off your plate. Take care of yourself. It's you could sum it up by saying, "Put your mask on first. <laughs> That's a big part of it. Yeah. That's a really big part of it. Just right. like the, yeah, put your mask on first. You are the foundation of your entire life, right? And if that is not solid, you are your entire life is on a shaky foundation, right? You're not. Like, it's not right. complicated, right. right? 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 And so it's like, okay, we get it. Yeah, but how? Like, well, that's where we come in. There you go. So let's talk about mind fuckery because I just like saying mind fuckery. <laughs> That's what it is, man. Thanks for making up a really cool word that I can right? say on my podcast. Mind fuckery. What is it? Why is it so important? 
Well, I mean, you know, and that, and that's that's the title of and and I resisted that name by the way for like a like like a month my CMO was like you got to call the podcast Mindfuck. I'm like, "Okay, you need to stop." And but um but Did he was right be, because yeah. <laughs> okay. Because good. when when you start um when well, uh, let me frame that a little differently. When somebody starts to realize that they are the sole creator of their entire reality, and that that reality is the end result of a system, and they recognize that they can start recoding that system, they can change their reality. It blows your mind. Right. It when you act when you achieve that which you thought you couldn't. It's like no fucking way. It's a mind fuck. And so much of this is counterintuitive. Right. Like okay. it's you know like I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Here's a perfect example of a counterintuitive thing. I go into uh, into some executive's office. Okay. And she's working 60 plus hours a week, you know, burning the candle at both ends. Right. And she's on the hamster wheel, work more hours to get more done. Like, you really want to get more done? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to cut her back to about 32 hours a week. And she's going to get three to five times as much done as she did work in 60. If you want to get more done, you don't work more hours. You work fewer hours. Completely counterintuitive. Right. But that's how it works. And this is when we started getting into subatomic physics and quantum <clears throat> theory and blah, 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 right? All the things. But right. that is how it works because a task will expand or contract in its, uh, in its time frame according to what you think it's going to take. Totally. So when, if, if you think it's going to take six hours, it will. If you think it's going to take three hours, it will. What, mm. Again, what you're holding in your consciousness is what is going to produce the reality. So when I go into an organization, they say, we want to you know, grow our business. The last thing I want to see is the KPIs and the market trends and the sales history. I don't want to look at that shit mm. because it's going to screw up my framework. So if I can adjust what the, what the executive team believes is possible, I'm going to change the reality a lot faster than dealing with the KPIs. Mm. That's amazing. I think that- It's wild. <clears throat> the first time I experienced that, was uh, I was lucky enough to have a job in the military in L.A., L.A. Air Force Base in El Segundo. Oh, yeah. And, that's, and, that's really close to where I am right now. Yeah. So whenever we could, it didn't happen all the time, but typically, you know, Fridays in the summer, we're kind of slow, right? So if there was, like, time to do it, the boss would come in, my boss, and say, you know, <clears throat> if you can get away with it, now if you've got anything going on that you need to stay and finish, do that. But mm -hmm. if you can let people go, start letting them leave at noon. And I was like, do you have anything for me to do for them before I let them leave? And they go, no, but I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> That's does funny. That, does that make sense? Feeling like a setup here. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, so he what he's saying like, I go in in the morning and say, mm -hmm. like, I would get a whiteboard and say, you have to clean this. You have to straighten up that. You have to, somebody has to do, uh, clean the supply room or the storeroom or whatever. It was just a bunch mm -hmm. of things like chores, right? Right. And the faster it's done, we can leave, right? Right. Right. So right. if any of this stuff isn't done, somebody's saying to do it. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I would say, okay, we can leave at noon today if all of this shit's done by noon. It was done by 10.30. <laughs> right. 
Right. <laughs> and they're it. like, hey, it's done. Can we leave now? <laughs> you, 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 give, you give really challenging tasks to lazy people and tell them the sooner they get it done, the, the lazier they get to be. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. I like that. But right? it, it did compress the time. Right. It was like, yes. that's that. That's what. And they always got it done and they always left at noon, you know? Yeah. That, that, and that's actually the word that, that I use is, you know, I talked about human systems and, and tolerances. When I say human system, I'm talking mind, body, spirit, right? This yeah. whole human being. Right. And um, and human systems need the right what, you know, your word compression, you right. know, and this is going to be different human to human. Right. Some people I had this client that called me up as a CEO. And he said, he hired me because he said, I need to get my mojo back. Well, his mojo was fine. He didn't have enough compression. I said, you just got too much time on your hands. So I just compressed his timelines. He was on fire. Wow. That's so awesome. having the right compression, mm. that, you know, which is exactly what you did. You, you were <laughs> able to do that and say, oh, I'm going to compress the timeline and set him on fire. Cool. I like it. I, I love it. The, another thing I just learned from a book I'm reading that I like I, and I bet you you already know this one, but like <clears throat> the idea was was to review uh, regrets, and mm. just like like I have this regret. I don't want to get into the details, but it's been it's been nagging at me forever, right? Okay. And and every once in a while, you kind of like wake up at three o'clock in the morning. Oh, I fucked that up so bad, right? Mm. <laughs> one of those, right? <laughs> so it it suggested that you just like write it all out in a note. So Google. Google Keep is like my friend. It's like where yep. I put all my notes. So I just put, you know, UDM regrets. You did, what should I have done? <laughs> mm -hmm. What did I do? What did I fuck up? Yeah, you know, and I just listed it all out. And now when I think of that regret, I actually feel better about it. Is yeah. It, if that makes any kind of sense. It, it does. Because I owned it all, right? When you can own it and let yourself off the hook and, and you know, how you relate to the issue is the issue. And when you're late, when you're right. relating to something so as regret, it's like, I fucked up. I, Oh, you know, this, it, it's, it has a very low frequency. Right. When you look at it through the lens of gratitude for the learning, well, yeah. now you've really raised the frequency. And so, um, you know, and I can look, I'm, I'm going to give you a magic trick right here that like and, magic and then, tricks. this, this is one of my favorite things I can sum up. I can sum up every regret Every mistake you have ever made, I can sum up with one line from The Magnificent Seven. It was 1960. Steve McQueen plays great Vin. Movie. And he simply, right, great movie. And he said, um, you know, this guy says, uh, you know, why'd you take the job? And, and McQueen says, you know, a fellow I once knew in El Paso took off all his clothes and jumped in a mess of cactus. I asked him the same question. Why? He said it seemed to be a good idea at the time. <laughs> I can sum up every mistake you made with that line right there. It seemed to be a good idea at the time. Right. Because it did. Now, you can play Monday morning quarterback all you want and be like, yeah, but, but, but that, no. In that moment, that seemed to make sense for whatever reason. Right. And that's, and you have you've a summed choice. it up. You can that's choose. right. Right. You can choose to let yourself off the hook and be like, okay, yeah, okay, lesson learned. I won't be doing that again. That was a right. bad idea. <laughs> it did not go how I thought. Sometimes I even think, now when did I think that was going to work? <laughs> At some point, apparently I did. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Right? Yeah. 
So I got a buddy from the South, and he says, um, he says, you know what the the most famous last uh, famous last words are in the South? I said, what's that? He says, hey y'all, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> so true, yeah. so right. true. Because yeah, he says, we just get dumb ideas and do it. I was in uh, uh, Florida. You're getting a lot of military stories. Something about you and me. Get get. So this is one of the most unsafe acts I've ever done in my Air Force career, mm-hmm. and it. You know, it seemed like a bad idea at the time, but there was a, <laughs> anyway. there, there was a lot bigger people. There was like, I was with like eight other dudes, all bigger than me. Right. Mm. And so we're moving this Colonel's, um, jacuzzi that weighs like 3000 pounds, <laughs> totally illegal. Not supposed right. to do that. Okay. <laughs> Doing it anyway. Uh, we get it on the truck just fine. Right. Mm. I, it, and we did it smart. We used levers. It was a it was a very safe procedure getting it on the truck. We okay. go to the new house, and we're like, "Huh, how are we going to get it off the truck?" Oh, we should have. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think that one all the way through. <laughs> no. So the, the the brilliant plan they come up with was we all grab a hunk of jacuzzi, right? <laughs> That's hanging off the edge. Yeah, you're already what laughing. Could possibly what go could wrong? Possibly go wrong. <laughs> we all grab a hunk, right? And then the guy drives the truck away. Yeah. Oh my dumbest idea ever. Right. So I'm like, guys, this is a really bad idea. I'm voting no. And and they're like, well, what do we do? And I'm like, I'm not sure, but I think it involves like one end at a time. Right? Would have been better. Right. (laughs) Right. It doesn't sound like it could be worse. Right. So anyway, we did that. And uh I, I just decided to kind of like sort of like be half on and half off because I knew what was going to happen. Physics mm-hmm. it was just right. gonna, ex- <laughs> physics. physics was going to happen. And so, <laughs> you know, gravity, gravity. <laughs> right. So it crashes down as physics does um, right, as, and, as gravics, gravity works. So right. I only I think. It uh, it brushed my shoulder, so I got like mild abrasions. But another guy was like actually bleeding. <laughs> so Ooh. yes, uh, and then it was on the ground. So then we picked it up and you know finished the right, job. Well, problem solved. Well done to you. Seemed sir. like a bad idea at the time. I just couldn't right. get out of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the T-shirt that I've seen it says that's a terrible idea. What time? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, I, I heard another one. Um, I went to Japan just recently with my wife because she's from Japan. Nice. So we go, right. Mm. And we went to one of these semi-active volcanoes, right? Mm. Semi-active. So it's smoking. Right. It's not erupting. Okay. <laughs> right. But, so smoking volcano means more or less active, right? Right. So there's like warnings in the brochure. You know, <laughs> you can get to the rim, but we can't promise you'll be able to get to the rim on any given day, right? So you right. may pay to get to the rim and not be able to go to the rim. Okay. Because there's a chance the toxic poisonous gas fumes levels will be too high. Right. So we get there and there's a guy and he's like, come on, let's get to the rim. <laughs> and I'm like... This does not bode well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as we're walking up to the smoking hole and the rim, um, we're both coughing and we have masks on, right? Oh, gee. Yeah. 
So we're there like five minutes. We take our pictures. We, we you know, <laughs> do the thing. We're walking away. Literally like three minutes later, merp, 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 and, and every language ama- uh, imaginable, please evacuate the rim area. Wow. <laughs> so I wanted to get a t-shirt that said something like safety third. Rust. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to tell you, a big part of my job is tracking patterns. Mm. And I'm seeing one with you, right? Yes. The the patterns of bad ideas. Yes. I have a lot of bad ideas. I could go on. (laughs) That's where all the cool stories come from. You know, you get get no good stories from good judgment. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That turned out to be a really bad idea, but you know, at least I have a good story. You have good stories and you're here. And I didn't die. There you go. And you didn't see, I was, I thought you were going to say, you know, they said that they were going to tell you, you know, we can't, we, you can't guarantee that you're going to get to the rim. We also can't guarantee that you're going to get back. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out. It like, right? Worked out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, okay. So let's talk about this showdown of soul versus ego. Because mm. uh, I, I love getting into the idea of anything spiritual. So okay. And the quest for authenticity. I like mm. that. Yeah. So talk about it. Well, you, you, have, you have your human animal. And you have your human spirit. I do. And these things are often in disagreement. <laughs> right. I know what my human animal wants to do all the time. Right? Yes. You know, and, and the idea is if I, can, if I can get my soul and my animal to agree, well, great. I, I have a, I'm aligned and things will happen a lot easier, you know. But the, um, you know, my framework is pretty simple is that, um, and this is where I can get a little, a little Joe Dispenza on this, but... Um, that we're, we're not humans that have souls, okay? That's, that's not my framework. My framework okay. is more that we are souls having a human experience. Right. I like that better, too. Right? And, mm. and Dispenza says, says something along the lines of, you are an eternal soul having a spiritual experience on the physical end of the energetic spectrum. Okay. I like that. Right? Because energy is a description, right? So it's pretty nerdy. It's a little, yeah. And and I agree with it, right? Yeah, Um, it works. Because again, everything is energy, right? Mm. So, so and I look through a very binary lens at the end of the day. Um, I I don't work in constructs of good or bad or right or wrong, right? Right. You know, get really Hamlet here. For nothing is either good nor bad. Thinking makes it so. True. It's a subjective construct. So it's a question of, am I aligned or misaligned? with the experience I want to have, with the goals that I, I want to achieve. It's mm. that simple. Aligned right. or misaligned. Working or not working. Right. That's it, right? So, and, and I, you know, I, I look at, at organizations, at, at C-suite, executives or whatever, working or not working, effective or ineffective, you know? Right. And, I, and I ask people, do you want to be right or do you want to win? Do mm. you want to be right or do you want to be effective? Do you, want, do you want to be right or do you want to achieve the thing you said you wanted? Right. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah, you don't actually get paid for being right. No, no. I used to I used to want to be right. This is a big thing. Look, and everything I've learned is because I fucked it up somewhere along the way. Okay. Like Me I too. I did not come out of a box this way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a yeah. fucking mess. And so <laughs> So it's like, I mean, I've screwed up, I've screwed up in pretty much every way a man can in relationships and jobs and what, like I've done it all. I'm, I'm sort of surprised I'm alive with some of the dumb shit that I've done. Yeah. Um, 
but but that is how I've learned this is that I've it's experienced the best way to it, learn. been there, done that, right? You know, and um, and I've made the impossible a reality many times in my life, and and I'm just committed to doing that with others now. I love it. I love it. So so how can folks best get in touch with Chris M King? I know we've got statusflow.net. Yeah, statusflow.net. We've right. got the Instagram. Uh, Instagram thing is uh, the statusflow. You know, those two are the easiest ways to get a hold of us. You know, we got the email and phone is on the on the website and everything. Perfect. This has been a blast. You got anything? Uh, any more stories you want to regale us with? Oh man, I could tell you. What it is. <laughs> I'll tell you. Just, I'll tell you my we favorite. We you know, another, another another show down down. Yeah, we could, we could do that on another time, right? Yeah. No, no. Please go go ahead. I mean, if you've got time. Well, I, yeah, the, when I say you can make anything happen, you really can. When I was 22 years old, I decided that I wanted to be an NCAA ice hockey player. And there were wow. only two things, there were only two things standing in my way. Thing number one was that I was, I was failing out of my junior college. I was on academic probation. And thing number two was that I'd never skated before a day in my life. That's a problem. Fast for, right? No problem. Fast forward <laughs> 18 months. I'm leading my team into the state championships, fourth in goals and first in assists. And you, and you had to learn how to skate first. I had to learn how to skate. I had to learn how to do everything, right? Wow. This is, we, we, by the way, we, we got our asses handed to us. We did not win the state championship. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You got there. Right. But That's we got huge. And the, and the, I mean, that means you're number is, two in the state. When, you know. when you start challenging what you think is true, what you think is reality, when you stop advocating for the status quo, when you stop advocating for your limitations and you start advocating for what you really want and right. start questioning, how might I be able to do it? Yeah, I know it's impossible, but what if it's not? What if maybe mm. there's a way, what might that look like? Mm. You have a physiological effect on your brain. You're physically changing the way the brain works. It opens the creative centers. Mm. And this is how we start to move the needle and making dreams come true. Right. Like, I like it. <clears throat> It's just getting your psychology, your physiology, and your energy all working for you instead of against you. You do that, you make magic happen. That sounds fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it seems like you're having fun. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> it's not easy, though. My clients cry a lot, which I love, but you know. <laughs> it, it, they cry in a good way, right? Yeah, like well, it's releasing. like I've been there, done that. Right, I, right. Personal, call it personal development, is a function of personal destruction. If you want to build a brand new casino in Vegas, you're going to have to blow the old one up first. True. And it's not fun. No. Yeah. Takes a long time. They it, don't. It's, <laughs> well, it's actually faster than you think. You got to be strategic about it so you don't create collateral damage. But when, right. when you do it consciously, when you right. do it consciously with intention, the world changes. Excellent. Chris, this, been, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. Reach Great out to speak a, with you. Reach out again in six months or something. Bring more stories. We'll hang out. <clears throat> All right. Sounds good, man. <laughs> All right, brother. So thank you. Let me hit stop. But Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.